Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Welcome, everyone, to the Spirit of EQ podcast. I'm Eric Pennington, and with me, as always, is Jeff East. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everybody uh, out there. Hey, you know, Jeff, um, you know, you and I had talked offline uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, and you had brought up to me about this prayer of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of familiar with it. And then you told me that there was this kind of a updated, disruptive version out there. And yeah, it really kind of got me thinking. And today we're going to kind of explore that. Um, and by the way, uh, for those in the audience, we are not going to be reading poems and prayers to you today because uh, there's a much bigger meaning around this than uh-huh. just that. So, Jeff, can you maybe for the audience talk a little bit about what is the prayer of St. Francis? Yeah, the, the prayer of St. Francis is something that, as you I've said before, I've been involved in a prison ministry for mm-hmm. 30-some years. And I was introduced in this. And actually, we there's a part of the weekend that we have where we actually sing this. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the melody because it's been a while since I've been in there. But yeah. anyway, the prayer of St. Francis is about, um, well, the first instance, the word, the first line is, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And it talks about that, of, of making a calming, becoming a calming influence. And we've talked about that, how important yeah. that is as a person. You know, that's uh, a really big way to make a difference. You know, if it's just one-on-one, if you can be that person that's calming someone down, that's that's in distress of some kind. Or, um, you know, we've all been in, in meetings that start to go off the rail. If, if you're the person that can bring the meeting back on track and, and keep it peaceful, that's really important. Um, just all different ways. And if you can imagine what it's like for the residents of a prison, the importance of, of having the ability to bring peace to a situation, uh, it can literally be a life-saving thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, maybe if, if I could take a just off on a little bit of a tangent, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff, and, and maybe you've addressed this in prior episodes, but what's the purpose behind this prison ministry that uh, you were involved in? What, it's, what's called the Kairos, it? it's called the Kairos Prison Ministry, uh, K-A-I-R-O-S. Uh, it's been around since the 60s. Um, it has its root in something called the Catholic Versio. Somebody wants to look that up. But it's, it's a little bit different than, than a lot of the ministries go in. When we go into a prison, we want, this sounds strange, we want the prison leaders. We don't want the people that are already 
going to church. We want the, the gang leaders, the those people, the strong, independent guys, because if if we can make a difference in their life, they can make a difference in the compound. And the, the whole idea of this is uh, to make the compound, the prison, a different place. So okay. we don't we go in on a Thursday night and through a through a Sunday with these prison leaders. And we basically, since it is a Christian ministry, it's another way to look at it as a short course in Christianity. Uh, the basics of the faith, you know, we're very upfront about it. We're, we never ask these guys to uh, make decisions, you know, alter calls and things like that. But yeah, and then I would imagine no one is forced to go to this weekend. Oh, right? No, no, no. They are picked by the, the prison staff but ask to go. No, we will never, nobody is ever forced to do this. Uh, and we, we have some hooks. We, we bring in uh, home cooked meals. <laughs> that is a big draw. Uh, we're called the cookie ministry because we bring in thousands of dozens of cookies for the whole prison. Um, but that's okay if they come if they say they they're coming just for the cookies and food. We go okay. Just listen to what we have to say. But then there's follow up. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. The guys All are right. encouraged to, to do this kind of stuff. So gotcha. All right. So I, I did that. I took you off on a tangent, yeah. and I appreciate you kind of opening that up a bit more. But so with this prayer of Saint Francis, I, I remember you had told me that you had found or you knew of one or something or another that was kind of a different take on it. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? And and we're talking about St. Francis of Assisi, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that, that's who it's attributed to. Um, okay. You know, like, who knows for sure, but... Right. But much time has gone on, right? Yes, Since, who knows? Uh, day, right? uh, so th this, the author is unknown on this. It's called the, the Reverse Prayer of St. Francis. Okay. Now, that sounds weird when you, when you look at it on the face. Well, why would you want to be different, you know, not bring peace right 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 you know why would you want to cause disruption and things like that but this is done in a very interesting way um so the first line is dear lord make me a channel of disturbance hmm. where where there is apathy let me pro, uh, provoke so what this prayer is is as you go through the whole thing, what this prayer is saying, or this, you can call it a poem if you don't want to use it as a prayer. You can you can take the religious part of it out, and it's still just as powerful. What it is saying is you sometimes need to make a difference by a disturbance. Interesting. By provoking, making somebody think something that they've never thought before, or move them to an action that they didn't think they would do. Jeff, I've got to I've got to interrupt you because what's flowing through my mind is COVID pandemic. Yeah. You know, I I and, and I maybe there are some people out there who saw it coming. I didn't. Mm -hmm. but it certainly shifted the ground that we were walking on. And it did demand of us to think differently, to mm -hmm. ask questions that maybe we weren't interested in asking before it, it came upon us. Um, so that's very interesting. And that's just one example, right? Of what can, what that yeah. can And then, you know, where it says where there's athlete, let me provoke. And that may be a one-on-one -on -one thing. You may need to provoke someone. 
to, so to how do we, to move ahead or to yeah so when we talk about provoke and i know that you know we can get into the language almost to a fault but you know typically when you hear provoke you provoked me to anger you provoked mm-hmm. me to but it can be a positive too right yeah you, you could you know you see somebody in a situation where they have the power to change the situation that they're not liking, mm-hmm. but they don't realize it. So you may provoke them to consider or provoke them maybe just to shut you up, to take that power and and change something that they can change themselves. So, you know, maybe a great example in my head anyway, right, is, you know, when someone asks you a powerful question, let's say that you're in this frustrating situation or relationship and someone says, how would it look if you decided not to get angry? Mm. That would provoke you to going, wow, potentially, right? I mean, I know there's more than one way you could respond to that. But I know for me, it would probably get me to that place of, well, I guess it would probably go better in our conversation if I didn't get angry. So I just want to kind of unwrap this a bit to say that is a way of provoking. Mm-hmm. Provoking isn't always just pushing somebody's buttons and trying to push them to act in a certain way. It could it, be it, a nudge. Yeah, but it's still a provoking. So, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Um, where there is compliance, let me bring questioning. Ooh, the four in me just says that's, yeah, I like that. Uh, Where there is silence, may I be a voice. In my top two or three songs, favorites of all time is On the Turning Away by Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's what it's about. You know, On the Turning Away from the, the Pale and Downtrodden. It's paying attention to what's going on. And uh, there are times when going with the flow or complying is not really the thing we should be doing. Right. And, and that, so that requires a lot of, that requires a lot of courage though. Right. Right. And, and that's, you know, let's go, let's look at um, the basics of emotional intelligence that we use. Um, anger can be this thing that's going to make you question. You see a situation and you go, I, that is, I don't like that. So I'm going to question it. Why are we doing it this way? Is, is there some other way we can do it? Is this even worth doing? Whatever you think about, just, just question it. Um, this is, you know, we talked about, um, now I might just went blank. Um, well, while you get back to that, when you get back to that, which your mind is like, I got to ask the question that you brought up. Um, In some ways, when I hear this, Jeff, I think about it connecting to curiosity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a vibrant form of curiosity. Right. Um, Because anybody can get angry at a situation or the way someone's being treated and how that connects and whatnot. But it's another thing to get angry and begin to, intentionally asking those powerful questions again, Mm -hmm. you know? um, And I find that if I start with questions, 
it builds a ground of trust on that other person's part with me so that when the opportunity arises for me to talk about why I'm angry about the situation, Mm -hmm. they're more likely to be in a listening frame as well. Right. And, And I like that you mentioned powerful questions. You know, that's that's one of the keys to when we do debriefs or when we're doing coaching with someone is we need to ask those powerful questions, but we need to be able to ask those powerful questions of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we've all been there, right, where where there's this arguing going on and it's you say this, I say that you say left, I say right, you say I say down. And it's just this loop. Mm -hmm. Right. And until I, I really firmly believe this, until you are in a place where you can, again, the process of managing or harnessing those emotions in concert with our thinking, I got to be able to stop, Jeff, and I got to be able to say, okay, Jeff, I hear you. What is it that really bothers you? Mm -hmm. You know, then there's this, okay, wait a minute. I'm expressing a desire to listen, which builds trust. So hopefully it makes no guarantees here. We, you know, we, we're not in the business of silver bullets, but mm-hmm. I increase the chances, Jeff, that you're going to be willing to let me talk about my point of view in a way that doesn't, uh, it's not adversarial. And, and one thing I, I, I probably should say or need to say is this is not about winning. Uh, great, great, great observation. This is about um, change. Yeah. And typically change moves not by just one side of the equation, mm-hmm. as you just described. Yeah. yeah. So where there is too much comfort and too little action, grant disruption. Mm. You know, that goes back to the first line of, of you know, complacency or what we talked about with complacency that um, we get comfortable. And once again, I'm going to go back to my Pink Floyd song. That's what that song is talking about is how we've been complacent and we've joined into the turning away. Well, uh, one of our previous episodes uh, with uh, Anita Rowe, uh, we were talking about when people are confronted with something that is maybe calling out to them to do differently, to think differently, um, they weigh making that change or making that pivot with the anxiety they feel and considering staying in the same place. And some, for some folks, staying complacent is more appealing than the unknown of making a pivot. Yeah. Well, we call it a comfort zone. That's where we're comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And, and then factor in, and you and I have mentioned it on this show a million times, probably by now, the neural pathways that we've built mm-hmm. over time. Um, but I, I, I think that call to disruption um, and I kind of liken it to uh, six seconds uh, take or their view about the noble goal that it doesn't harm, doesn't cause harm to anyone else, right? Um, 
disruption so that you win or disruption so that you know your side is 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 on top or whatever is not a healthy disruption no you know a healthy disruption you may not like it you may be a little apprehensive about it but it does not cause you harm um and i think that's a real key distinction there too mm-hmm. you're you're disrupting to bring attention yeah to the matter right where there are doors closed and hearts locked grant me the willingness to listen oh love that can we talk a little bit about that listening thing because i know that um previous episode most recently we we did really kind of delve into the listening thing but and we've done it in previous episodes uh i specifically remember the episode we did on active listening right and things like that so talk a little bit about that what your take is on that from the the, the little once, once again from my experience in prison is the thing i hear most from the residents is you guys came in here and you listened to me mm-hmm. you really listened to what i was saying you gave yourself to do that you you know you're you you and i've heard these words you recognized my personhood and gave value to it i've heard well, almost that quote yeah i uh, i think we would be shocked blown away if we knew just how many people walk through life feeling like they're not heard mm-hmm. you know and I think, I think if there's, I think there was another pandemic that was happening before the one that we all associate with mm-hmm. the virus. And, and, and it, it, how would I say this? Obviously, I'm, I'm speaking way outside of science, but there is a sense in my core that there are, there are tons of people who don't feel like they're heard. And they long for it. They don't know necessarily how to navigate to a place of being heard. Uh, because in, in many respects, let's face it, Jeff, truly listening to someone is is a is it is an art. It's an art. It takes uh, emotional. And uh, I'm going to say the word spiritual, but it's not spiritual religiously, but it's the connection to be able to connect with someone. And it takes energy. It can be very tiring. Yes, uh, absolutely. And especially, and it, go ahead. I'm sorry. And especially if you're doing the act of listening, like what we talked about in an episode where you're not trying to fix, you know, the person. You're just you're just being there. You're allowing them to say what they want. And it might it's could be very uncomfortable. Oh, so- and oftentimes it is right. I mean, because uh, and for those in the audience, um, there is a video out there from uh, Simon Sinek. And I believe it's called The Art of Listening. We'll, we'll get that in the show notes. But it's a fabulous three to five minutes about 
not only what it is, but how you can do it and how it can be uh, used as a tool to improve relationship. Um, I just think that um, anytime that we can position ourselves uh, to grow in that area, and I, I've been working on this intentionally um, for a while, and I'm embarrassed to say, Jeff, I have found myself in more than a few occasions where I've the person begins to talk to me about something. They get in about two sentences and I can find myself moving to, I disagree. I think there's a better way. <laughs> I don't think this person is X and it's judgment, right? <laughs> I have really been building this new neural pathway that goes, okay, Eric, sit down and Eric, shut up. <laughs> Listen. Now, one thing has helped me. I'm just saying personally, this may not be for everybody. Everybody, mm -hmm. you know, people are different. They're going to find their own methods. But for me, when I'm listening to people, I kind of liken it to I'm listening to music. Mm -hmm. And when they talk and they pause, or when they go really okay, I'm I'm sensing it as the flow of a musical piece. And that tends to pull me in because I'm so music centric as I know you are too. Mm -hmm. And I I've done this as a, it's a trick if you will, but it, it's, it's helped me kind of laser in my focus. So when you're talking, I can go, okay, he's playing a quarter note, quarter note, half note. Okay. Now he's moving in triplets, those kind of things. Yeah. And it's, for me, listening to music, there is listening to the words. It's really strange. I am not a big fan of poetry. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, a song is, is poetry set to music. So the way my brain works, I have to have that extra yeah. layer to it. So you've got the music and you've got the words the person is saying. In this case, you look at it this way. And folks, we're not getting invaded. We're tornado sirens every Wednesday at noon. If you hear yeah. that on the video, <laughs> I actually thought you were about ready to play. You were playing some music in the background. As no, well. <laughs> we we live in Tornado Alley, so we get that every Wednesday. So don't worry, we're safe. Uh, but then there is a there's an emotional connection yeah. to the music. You know, you hear people talk about it different ways. The music speaks to me. You know, that kind of thing. If, if you do what you if you try to do what you are saying, you're going to connect to that person more than just the the words they're saying and maybe their body language and the tone of voice and all that, which is important. But you're going to be hearing something differently yeah. or connecting to something differently that you weren't before. Yeah. And everyone, as I said, uh, find your thing that helps you focus in. I think that's the main takeaway. But go ahead. When laws dictate and pain is overlooked, when tradition speaks louder than need, grant that I may seek rather to do justice than to talk about it. That's the action. You know what's interesting about that too, Jeff? And I, this episode is not on... Um, how would I say a worldview perspective and um, as some people might associate religion or whatever, but I'm going to use this reference because I think if you, 
if you can grasp the story, regardless of where you're at from a faith perspective, it does speak volumes to this. When Jesus was with that crowd and the woman that was caught in adultery, and I, I, it's in one of the gospels, maybe in multiple gospels. So again, I don't want to get into the verse and chapter and all that stuff, but the story is fairly familiar, right? So this woman is caught in adultery. They're trying to set Jesus up by saying, okay, she was caught in adultery. Uh, the law says she should be stoned. What do you say? Right. And the old story of Jesus bending down and starting to write in on the ground, mm-hmm. how one by one, the people that wanted to stone her started to walk away to eventually where everyone was gone except for him and the woman. And his comment to her was, where are your accusers? And well, that idea, and I'll stop there, Jeff, is that that's an example to me of what you said. Do the justice. Do the justice. Tradition said in that world, and that, again, from this faith perspective, she should be stoned for that. She she was wrong. The verdict is this, but it was an unjust approach that they were using. Mm-hmm. And he stepped in and said, hey, now I know there's multiple people say what got those people to walk away is that he started writing all the different things that they potentially or did do mm-hmm. and convicted them to say, I need to put down the rock because, <laughs> right? Because I could be on the other end of the rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's what came to my mind when when you read that that verse. Yeah, it's and it says when laws dictate, but then it says when tradition speaks louder. I almost think the tradition is the one that is most insidious mm-hmm. because it allows for people to take license with that particular person situation um because as we know there's been a lot of really evil bad uh, whatever you want to use as the describe around tradition mm-hmm. you know, this is this is this is what we think this is what we believe we've always believed this we've always thought this and i'm not trying to rob anyone of foundational points of view right mm-hmm. but if you um, I mean, that example I gave, I mean, that's that's gritty. That's not whether or not you uh, woke up at seven and fulfilled your family's tradition of doing X, Y and Z. Mm-hmm. Talking about a very serious situation in that time and in that community, it was a big deal. Life and death. Right. Um, you know, I liken this to you're the store owner. You caught the person shoplifting. There happened to be a police officer there. And the police officer says, okay, you're under arrest. You're caught in the act. And that shop owner says, you know what? Let me just ask him some questions first. You know, and finding out that he made a mistake and he knows it was wrong. He knows he's, I mean, he should be arrested and all of the rest. But the store owner goes, look, we, it's not a big deal. We just let this go. 
Now, I know it doesn't necessarily play out that way, Jeff. It may be, hey, he broke the law. The shop owner has no say in the matter, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's that that idea of, I, I guess when I think about it, I go, okay, is it the letter of the law or the spirit of the law? Right. So for that. And, and you know, but in your scenario with the, with the shopkeeper, um, that shopkeeper may listen for a minute. Yeah. And, and, you know, here they're, they're, okay, you know, I'm, my family's starving, you know, what, you know, you can go down a million to the past. Well, and Jeff, you know, here's the deal. And I want to make this look really, really clear out there is that, you know, it's kind of this idea that two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Maybe even three things can be true at the same time, right? (laughs) Whatever. Well, okay. But it's not, it's, it's not my way of saying, Jeff, Anytime someone is shoplifting, we should cut them a break and let them go. Uh-huh. Not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in that moment, if that particular owner of a store decides that I want to do something different, he should be allowed or we should give him that room to do that. And yes, there should be times if you're caught shoplifting and boom, and the police are there. Maybe it is the right thing that you're just arrested and you're taken to jail or whatever. Uh, it's just I, I, I get nervous for our audience, not that they, there's a problem with our audience, but I don't want anyone to sort of brace this idea of duality. Right. Right. Um, this idea that, well, wait a minute. No, that's never right. Well, wait a minute. No. Could it possibly be that in this situation it is totally right? And yes, the five other situations are totally right too. It, it, okay, in this situation is what's written down in the law book more important than feeding his family? Which one of those is the most important thing? Right, and and Jeff, I would almost take it to the other level that the person, maybe they didn't need to feed their family. Maybe they fell under some temptation to do it for whatever reason, I mean, I think this is probably all over the United States at this point, but as you know, in the area in which we live, there's a lot of Hyundai and Kias that are being (laughs) stolen. And they're typically, you know, they're stolen by teenagers. For fun. For fun, right? Now, is that wrong to steal somebody's car? I would say, yes, it's wrong, plain and simple. However, would I say to the owner of that Kia who happens to come upon that teenager and says, what are you doing? And this teenager recoils and goes, I, I'm sorry. I, yes. Could that owner of the car say, I'm calling the police right now. Or that owner could say, what are you doing? Why would you do this? You know, the the owner could go, okay, it's a teenager. His brain isn't done until he's 25. Right. And once again, and maybe you're saying, Eric, you don't need to do it, but I'm going to do it one more time, Jeff. That does not mean that every teenager that steals a Kia or a Hyundai, we should just cut them a break, ask them some questions, and let them go. I'm, I'm again, I'm going to this non-dualistic thinking mm-hmm. that says certain situations might call me to do something different. Well, I'm going to use an example from a neighbor. She is a city of Columbus police officer, and she's caught the same person three times in one night. 
Wow. So that's a different story. That third time, okay, we, we need to, they're not getting the message. <laughs> yeah. All right. I took you down another rabbit hole. There. All right. Disturb us, O oh Lord, to be with as well for the alienated, to love the unlovable as well as the lovely. Lord, make me a channel of disturbance. Pretty awesome. That um, goes right back into my Pink Floyd song. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the pale and downtrodden. Yep. And this is the one thing that um, I personally, um, when I look at the culture that we live in, in this case, specifically the United States, uh, we don't listen well, which in turn means that more than likely that's why we're so judgy. And I think what happens, and, and I'm a recovering judgment person, okay? I was very judgy 20 years ago. Um, and you, you, you'd never quite understand how much you hate judgment until you're judged, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, so I say that to say, if there's two areas where I think we really need to work on as a society is those two, the listening and the judging. Um, and please hear me out. Jeff, that doesn't mean at some point a judgment is necessary and appropriate. You just use the example. You've been arrested three times in one night. We're making the judgment that you need to experience the penalty for doing that. That's a judgment. All right. Um, however, I think the block to listening and the block to being open to where somebody is at is that we are so, we're so fixated in being right. We're so fixated on winning, being on the right side, as if this was the proverbial Super Bowl or World Series, mm -hmm. and that that was what is at stake. I have no, I have not been put on this planet, Jeff, to tell you how you should live your life, where you should live, what kind of car you should drive, how you should have raised your kids, how you should treat your wife. If you want to know what I think, Jeff, I'm more than happy to tell you. But I haven't been put here to say, hey, Jeff, guess what? It's a package deal. I get to tell you how to live your life and you get to do what I want you to do because what I want you to do is what is right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I mean, if anybody came to me and said, well, I do have a right. Well, I'm sorry. Please point out to me where it says you have been appointed that. But I think what happens is we feel that if we don't, there's, a, there's an apprehension, if maybe a fear, that we may encounter something that we don't fully understand and that we don't fully grasp, um, in addition to all the other pressures of society, whether it be your particular religion or your particular you know, generation, uh, where you live. Uh, all of those different things that we, if we may find it difficult to, to embrace. I, I totally agree with that. So that's, that's the end of the prayer. So I want to, I want to leave, uh, leave us with this thought. 
this prayer could mean I'm going to protest. I'm going to hold a sign and, and march. If that's what this is leading you to do, go for it. But this prayer is also for one-on-one between you and someone. Or it could be <laughs> one that you need to do this internally. So it's it's what you want to make it. Um, I just I just wanted to share this because it it's always uh, had an impact on me. Well, it's certainly done that for me as well, Jeff. Um, I was most familiar with St. Francis's prayer, um, but the disruptive or the different take, I should say, uh, from the one that you read uh, really got me thinking because I I, I like because I think so much is born out of when we change ourselves, meaning when we the change begins with us. I mean, that's one of the reasons like I, I have a difficult time when I'm in groups of people who want to point out about the problem with the people over there or the problem with the situation over there and very rarely want to talk about, well, let me examine my problems, right? What's that thing about, about pointing? There's one pointing. Yeah. <laughs> Back at you. And, and here's the thing. I get it. I understand. It's a lot easier for me, Jeff, to critique you, your family, your workplace. That's easier. And it, and it does not require really any, I'm not on the hook for anything. You, you I, don't have a personal stake in this. That's even better said. And, right? and this prayer what to me is, is it's making you have a personal stake in what's going on. Right. So if I would throw out something to our audiences, maybe reading that prayer is, or poem, however you want to take it, is to maybe ask powerful questions after each of those particular verses, right? Mm-hmm. About yourself. You know, am I, am I willing to stand up for justice? And why not? And what what holds me back from doing that, for example? Um, and, and once again, maybe you're going to answer the questions in a way that you're not happy with. Well, like everything else, you can build a new pathway. It can start today. And what you're talking about, once again, is our favorite word is be curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, everyone, we thank you for tuning in today to the podcast, and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Have a great day, everybody.